North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. And we're back, Gary. We are indeed. We're getting close to Christmas. Another week closer. Another week closer. And we are living up to the promise. We're going to have podcasts all the way up to Christmas. So we're doing well. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Someone (laughs) reminded me of that yesterday. I was out at a function. Um, There was actually uh, a few teachers retiring from Phoenix School. Um, Right. Tracy Bell and Jenny Gone and Marion Millmine. Amazing teachers that people would know. Yeah. And someone came up to me and said, you're going to make that quota of getting a podcast? And I'm like, I don't know. If Gary pulls his finger out, we will. Well, I've booked a few more in. Yeah, no, you have. We're getting there. We've got a good list coming up. um, Do you want to introduce today's podcast? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, again, with great pleasure, um, introduce someone who's who's done a lot in the community, uh, been involved in a lot of organisations and so on, and and made his mark and uh, helped Waitaki be a better place. So, um, great to have you here today, Terry. Greetings, gentlemen. Good to be here. And that's Terry Kent. Yes. Just so you know. Hey, Terry, I, yeah, I'm going to start I was, was going to figure out how to bring that one in. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to start off, Terry, and say thank you. It is people like you that make this district a better place. And I just did a quick wee look on Google to find out what you're in, into and, and, and your involvement in the community. And it was just, it is a lot. So thank you for all of that. But before we get into all those details, are you born and bred on Maru? Or what's the story? Interesting story from my point of view. Um, Not born and bred here. When I arrived, I spent the first 20 years getting uh, accepted Um, (laughs) and uh, perhaps the first 20 years apologising for being from some other place. Um, But uh, eventually I found out that my great-grandfather was killed in the Brunner coal mine disaster and I realised I came from West Coast coal mining stock. stock. Yeah. What was I ever apologising for? So let's. I'm going to go there. What did you have to apologise for? You weren't Australian, were you? No, I wasn't Australian. <laughs> no. um, um, something. Something. Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, my son is now an Australian, so yeah. I have to be, uh, you know, okay. pretty neutral on yeah. that conversation. No, even worse than that. Um, Born and bred in Auckland, Auckland. Uh, and in, mm. and in places and subject uh, suburbs that are now, of course, um, been revitalised, and and uh, they were sub uh, suburbs that my um, great grandparents and grandparents lived in, and then they moved out, and then our Pacific Island folk moved in, mm. and by and large they've moved out, and now the the rich and famous or the ones on the high salaries now tend to be in those very houses. Oh, wow. So tra- travelling up and having a look back over what I experienced, Auckland was just half a million when I left. Mm. There were only half a million. What is it, one and a half million or more now? Yeah. So um, a different city, um, but I, I was there at an interesting time and maybe formed a different person. That's you know, the fact that I'd uh, been born there and uh, yeah, well, grew up there. Let's talk... Yeah, let's share a wee bit about that because, you know, we love to give Auckland a hard time and Auckland loves to think nothing else exists south of the Bombays. But tell us about that interesting time. So would have been around the war, would have been... Tell us a wee bit about that history. Yeah, that, uh, I know you looked at each other then, but uh, uh, it's quite right. The first thing is I'm not a baby boomer um, and um, there are so many about now where the, the expectation is if you want to insult somebody, you call them a baby boomer, um, and I'm older than that. Uh, it's my, it was my brother that was the first of the baby boomers, year one in, in 64, uh, uh, sorry, 46, and my son um, was the last year. My son was the last year of the baby boomers. But for me, I somehow came in on the coattails of what they've now called the great generation. We didn't talk about generations earlier on. The great generation uh, got its name, of course, ultimately and 
yeah. later on got its name because people had gone through the, the, the Depression and some people had gone through two world wars. Um, so my father was born during the First World War and I was born during the Second World War. Unusual because the adults um, that were falling in love and wanting to get married um, mostly put it off and said, you go off to war and we'll, we'll sort that out. That maybe didn't finish the sentence, which was if you get back. Mm. Uh, so mum and dad um, got married. Uh, I'm a honeymoon baby. No worries about that. Dad returned to camp, got on a ship and, and, and sailed away. And um, sailed away twice, I believe. He went to the islands and then later on went to Italy, um, which gave me an opportunity later on after I was in business and that to actually buy some additional ticket. Going to Fiji has been a favourite job of mine. Um, but um, later on, I was able to actually buy a spare set of tickets and make sure mum and dad had a, wow. a, a passport and take them back and, and actually drive them around the places that they uh, where, where he talked about. Yeah. You know, so that was marvellous. Mm. So um, that would have been interesting growing up. When did you first meet your father then? Like- well, well, the first... Uh, well, I firstly, the, yes, I've explained when I was born um, and... The next few informative years were important for all of us, um, and I had mum, my auntie, my only auntie, and my and my grandmother Nana, and throw three strong women took me through those years, and with no male influence, couldn't throw a ball to save myself. It's been you know, and and you know, kicking yeah. a ball, throwing a ball, all of those things didn't happen. Yeah, but other attributes which had served me well came from three strong women. Um, as I was growing up and uh, can't remember not realising Dad was there, um, had some interesting things because uh, our family, by and large, weren't churchgoers and they seemed all to have adherence to different faiths and so forth uh, or or denominations. But but the man next door to us um, was a strong church leader with the Baptist church and the Baptist church was just up the road. So as far as I know, I had three years of age, I was trundled off to um, to, to, to Sunday school. Yeah. And I remember as a three-year-old, one of my early wrecking remembrances was sitting sitting up there and starting Sunday school. So I, the only one in my family, as far as I know, that wandered, wandered on through the Baptist church and ultimately, you know, was Baptist, did the full immersion baptism, the whole works and yeah. so forth. Um, but... The family, um, you know, as I say, wasn't strongly in. But that man was. We put, talk about people who have an influence. That man was just yeah. was just wonderful. So, mm-hmm. bowled along. Remember a few other things. And then one morning they dragged me out of bed early, and Granddad turned up with his beautiful 1938 Ford V8, which had flowers on the dashboard, and which I replicated later on in my life when I owned a car like it. Um, but anyway, they poked me in the car, and I sat in the left rear seat with a little quarter sort of rear window and we trundled and we pulled up in what I now know was Beach Road and we were going to pick up Dad. I don't remember. Now, the the thing is, I remember all that. I remember going in the car. I remember I could almost take you to the car park where he swung in opposite Mm. number one platform as it was and there's a sloping green bank, uh, a green grassy bank and the memory stops. I don't remember mum and dad meeting. You know that famous photo that you'd have in every movie, you know, like throwing their arms. That's all gone. I only remember getting up early, driving in a V8, parking, memory's done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That was the exciting bit, the car. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, which yeah. 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 Probably, so there you probably spoke to your, your, your career eventually. Well, it, it was the beginning of uh, people with interesting cars and, and interesting cars that, yeah. you know, that became part of my life. Um, but it wasn't meant to be part of my life, as a matter of fact, because um, I wanted to do broadcasting. And I didn't achieve that until after I retired. Yeah. And because I couldn't go that way, um, I was going through fifth form the year we had the Asian flu. So now that we've been busy having SARS and bird flu and, of course, COVID, uh, and people are talking about, oh, this never happened and that never happened, um, I had, by the time I got to the end of school, I'd done two things. One, we'd had a polio epidemic when I was a primary school kid. And I went to work with my dad. Dad was driving a truck back from the war, driving a truck around Auckland. So I got to know all the markets, the wharves, the warehouses, and uh, that's because our school was closed down for polio. 
And then years later, we had what was known as the Asian flu came through, and this really rocked um, everybody because this was a different breed to the one that had come through at the end of World War One. So nobody was really prepared for it. And uh, I think I had eight weeks off during school C year. That was disastrous. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so when I wanted to have a look at going into broadcasting on the technical side, uh, it meant going back to school for a couple more years, abandoned that. And the interesting thing about getting a job then compared to now is Dad, who'd wanted to be a mechanic but never was, um, talked to the man in the garage down the road, mid-Auckland, and said, my son's interested in a job. Oh, you better send him in to see me. And I started on the 13th of February the next year, um, and here I was, um, off to be a mechanic, which was really being my dad's job, not mine. Yeah. And uh, but but the man that I met, that last time I checked, was still alive. He must be pushing 106. Um, he's a fellow who was on telly a few year, a few years ago, talking about centenarians and and their attitudes. Yeah. And um, and he was a raced motor cars, raced at Ardmore, raced at Pukekohe, and I got to work on those cars that he raced. Um, but how that work that as a mechanic was going to be was foreshadowed by the first few minutes at work and everyone's got their story, oh, they stuffed a broom in my hands and, and, and I had to sweep the floor or they go and, you know, count up those nuts and bolts or something. No, not for me. Nothing happened till 10 past and the boss walked out and said, Terry, that car has to go to the paint shop, follow that fellow, go now. It was a car with column change I'd never driven. <laughs> I only got my licence in the August. This is January. Uh, it's a column change car I'd never driven and you could see what they were doing. He didn't say which painter. He didn't say what the address was or even what part of Auckland it was in. While I'm trying to find out how to put it in gear, the tradesman who I'm following has left as fast as he can go. So when I drove out the, the door, mid, just down the block from TVNZ today, yeah. and I drove like a fiend because I couldn't lose sight of him because I, the, the trick would have been for him to lose me, yeah. and I had to go back tailed behind. He never lost me. Yeah. And that went on through my whole time. So I'm actually... A born and bred Queen Street hoon. Yeah. <laughs> and even today, when I drive through Omaru and one of the young fellas comes along and cuts in on me or revs up at the thing, I, I just look at them and think, fella, you don't know who you're up against. You're I might boy, have grey hair. A boy racer but, from way back. But come, push yeah. comes to shove. Yeah. You picked on the wrong guy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's oh, me. Well. That's me growing up. So that was your start, both of uh, getting into the motor trade, but also, um, yeah, into yeah. racing. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> the, the aspect of, of race and so forth. But there's a bit of a theme that had been set before. I, you know, and the, and the theme was that um, I, I started off with an interest in musical theatre, which I'd done um, sort of as a kid at primary school and intermediate, particularly intermediate. Intermediate was a wonderful time in my life. And then I got to high school and I automatically put myself down for drama. Um, and then I heard the guys outside doing um, military drill because it was, you know, same at Waitaki Boys as it was. I went to Avondale College mm. and uh, in Auckland and it was, um, uh, had some really interesting people came through. But anyway, so I quickly changed and went out, quickly went out and did the, the army training thing and then joined the ATC and joining the ATC Air Training Corps in Auckland was brilliant because Fanuapai was there. So you go to summer camps at Fanuapai. So I got to fly in Bristol Freighters, um, Devon aircraft, and uh, oh, and, and yeah, just just so many other wonderful things. And so there was a uniform. And while I was at high school, I also um, finished up in a in a in a boys' silver band. Initially tried to play great big B-flat something or other, uh, and then finished up playing the trombone, which put me up on the front. We didn't have a bass trombone, so I was front row left. So when we marched in parades, I was the guy that had to clear the crowd that was too close, marched on Eden Street, uh, sorry, Eden Park, marched on all sorts of things. And um, uh, my musical time came to a crunching halt when I left school because... Um, 
busy with the motor trade and then a mate, oh, look, you know, I, I keep talking about Forrest Gump at times when I'm chatting people because um, I went to night school and the guy sitting beside me was a guy who we call Robbie Frenesovic, uh, but then they changed it to Francevic because the Americans couldn't pronounce it. Uh, but he drove a brilliant race car later years called Colour Me Gone, which was a, a great big custom line. So I sat beside this guy who went on to an amazing time and, uh, and I sat beside another chap and he said he was in the Territorial Army. So another uniform, <laughs> here it is again. And, and I went off and, and, and spent three years um, and uh, it was uh, what they call REMI, Electrical Mechanical Engineers, and um, I took every course you could possibly do. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a fighter, uh, I'm not a, a hunter, um, but when they said, do you want to go on a, a, a weapons course, uh, yeah. So, yeah, have I fired some, some vehicle, uh, some things? Yeah. Sterling submachine guns, Sten guns, Bren guns. Well, that stage the FN rifle was out. Um, Thirty-eight revolver, forty-five revolver. Nice. Learned to fire all those things. Um, yeah. But I'm not a shooter. I'm not a hunter. And, but <laughs> good you do fun. that. Good fun. Yeah. Just lots of good fun. So the 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 you know the the uh, time in the, in the motor trade was coming. You know, I, I now qualified. And, and I'd been introduced to a, a girl who was in the Navy, and she was from Amaru. And, oh, and now that, here's the linkage coming yeah. again. And, and so um, after three years, I, I had to leave the Army because we decided, in those days, it was traditional to get married in the, in the girl's hometown. Yep. You just did that. Um, and I'm, I was so gracious. I graciously agreed <laughs> to not only come here to be married, but... To, to stay on for a year or two. I mean, I thought maybe a couple of years and then return to New Zealand. I oh, sorry, Auckland. Um, oh. And, ooh, because I only thought of it as, as New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, I agreed to stay on for two years. And, and I need to tell you that um, this month, 60 years ago, I was visiting the year before I came here. It was the, uh, and Gary will know this, it was the centenary cent for the Omaru Borough Council and there was some amazing things going on. We had uh, a Christmas parade, same weekend as we did this year, and on the 22nd we had um, Cavalcade of Progress, which was um, celebrating the centennial. Came back the following year in 63, so next year yeah. I'll have been, uh, and I graciously agreed to stay here for two years, but so far it's <laughs> it's, it's counted stretched off. Stretched out a bit. It's counted, stretched out a bit, you know. <laughs> so there you go. So now, there we are, pounding into Omaru, 3 a.m. in the morning on the express, which had left at midnight or 11.30 or something. So what was your wife's maiden name and what did yeah, they do Yeah, well, well, known to some, um, and, and, and Wanda's back in town these days, so she's hereabouts. Mm. There are two Mrs. Kents in town, um, but I'm married to one of them and was married to the other one. Um, Wanda was Wanda Green, and um, she... Um, was uh, yeah worked at Rat Race as it was, um, danced, uh, marched in the Red Admirals marching team, and because her father was um, ex naval, and in the ex Navalmen's Association, and he'd been on the Achilles on its way to the South Atlantic to what ultimately became the Battle of the River Plate, but he became unwell and got invalided off in Fiji on the way over, um, and that unfortunately was the end of of his naval career, but also the beginning of, of his lifetime as, as, as a person partially crippled, still able to drive a good Ford from Knight's Motors, um, as it was, but properly converted. Um, yeah, so so I got married. I, so we came down here to get married and, and a chance to stay on for a few years and um, uh, a couple of really weird things happened in the t sense of of these people that come through your life who have an influence. Um, the year just coming up in, in, in that I was there 60 years ago, really interesting fellow called James Anderson or Jim Anderson. Um, he was a hairdresser down the bottom of town, Jimmy Keane's hairdressers, and uh, a member of the Masonic Lodge and a member of St John. And he said to me, looking in what was then something like Haywright's window, we'll call it the farmers today, mm. Uh, he said, oh, when you get back, by the way, um, I'm going to get you in St John. And I said, oh, yeah, not likely. 
Um, but he did and um, did my first aid course and uh, there I am. Yeah, just just amazing that he, you know, brought me into it and I got my first first aid certificate with Dr. R.S.J. Fitzgerald, um, absolutely world famous in Omaru and uh, the late Dr. Fitzgerald, amazing man and um, did my first aid course. Went back every year for three years to make sure I got the hang of it. <laughs> and uh, But joined St John in the new year yeah. and they said, um, turned up on the first uh, Wednesday of February and they called me to one side and they said, now look, to be honest, a bit of bad news. Um, you know, great that you're joining St John. Uh, but you won't be able to get on the ambulance until, oh, Easter. Easter that year. And, uh, and, 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 and so literally two months later, with nothing more than a first aid kit, uh, belt, first aid certificate in my belt, you were. I was on the ambulance with Doug Island, D.A. Island, mm. Island and Co., yeah. Doug Island, Doug Island. Absolutely, you know, you could have a whole night, day talking about Doug Island, and he was the guy that, that I, under whose wing I, yeah. I started off and, and, and where we went. And in the first week we did some... Um, pretty dramatic calls in week one, and when you think about a, you know, eight week first aid course and what they teach you, and what I was expected to be able to do, it was um, just amazing. Yeah, pretty major stepping up. So, from my records, it's been fifty eight years yeah. serving St John's in yep. Omaru. Is that yep. right? Yeah. Well, yep. It was yep for sixty four, eight and four. Yeah, twenty. Yeah, it is. It, it's uh, fifty eight. So, um, I think I'm right, aren't I? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just surprised he can do the math. He did it. Oh, that no. Terry can do the math. That's no. fair. We no. have a guest on no. here, Gary, and you yeah. insult him. No. no. You'll need him one day. I was complimenting you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So there you go. Um, <laughs> You must be, is anyone more longer serving in the country than you, or you um, got, you got the well, record at the moment? Well, I got, um, they brought out a new medal. Um, we, we have a service medal, much yeah. like the fire service and many other, and the police and everyone else. There's a service medal. Yeah. Um, and they decided, well, when it was done, you got enough bars to go on, the, on your ribbons yeah. to, um, you know, take you through to about 50 years' service. And then by then most people have shuffled off. Yeah. They're gone, you know. But times have changed and they suddenly realise there's a whole lot of people around doing more than 50 years service yeah. and still doing it. Um, so they went back to, to, to London, uh, uh, right back to, to the, the Queen, as she was, and um, uh, created a gold medal. So the, the medal, the service medal is silver yeah. with the effigy of, uh, of Queen Victoria, the only one on medal that still has Victoria's uh, effigy on it. There's a story about that. Um, but anyway, so they handed out the gold one for New Zealand. She got number one in the world. And a chap that had been in the outfit in New Zealand for over 70 years, he got number one in New Zealand. Yeah. And mine's got number 43 on it, so that gives you a pretty good clue. Yeah. So um, for number 43. Um, so I'm not the longest serving, um, and there are still a couple of guys floating around Omaru who were in that team of 12 because it was 12 men, 12 yeah. good men and true. Today, more than half the team are women. Yep. Uh, and a lot of that happened during my era because I made sure, you know. And one of them uh, being your daughter too. Well, ultimately, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, my son and daughter both went through uh, cadet, St John cadets, um, and Angela um, went, went away out of town, came back, and, uh, and it, people always say, you know, trip off the old block and so forth. But she... Um, she ultimately followed, did the first day training, uh, teaching like I did as a tutor um, and, and today as a paramedic and no longer an Omaru, but still um, still doing those things. And, yeah, so the family continues. So over the years you've been a volunteer. You, I think you were also a paid um, officer. Yep. Yeah, well, that was interesting really because my the um, – there's always a person, and we just a few months ago, or whenever it was, just literally recently, we lost Robbie, Robin Mortimer, and Robin Mortimer um, was my partner 
in, in the business which I ultimately owned. Um, and when I came to Omaru, I, I went to, uh, again, how easy it is, is to get a job. I'm coming to Omaru, I need a job, wrote to Gillies, said I'm an A-grade mechanic, you know, any chance of a job? They said, what day do you want to start? And, and so that was easy. I went to get it. But that is really where suddenly um, it didn't work so easy. This is the, this is the, this is the Auckland fella arriving. Uh, a few fancy ideas. Worked on race cars. Worked mm-hmm. on high quality cars in Auckland. Turned up at Gillies, and everyone else there had been trained by Gillies. Yeah. Um, and I best not mention names, but people might put names to it. Uh, but people that were some of the people that were in charge. There were wonderful people there. There were guys whose names I could mention that were work, working there as employees who just took me under their wing, made sure I was looked after morning tea times, afternoon tea times and things like that. Because yeah. it was rough. I mean, uh, the, the guys, by and large, were, were sort of of the time, of the era. Okay, Terry, good to see you here. What do you drink? I hope it's spades. Um, what 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 club, you know? What colours? What club? What 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 club are you? And they, they, there wasn't a matter of talking about what code. It was rugby, yeah. and I had to pick, and I had to know that. And the third and most important thing was what will win the Hannon Memorial at at Labour Weekend at the Trots, which was Monday every Labour Weekend. So three things: get the beer right, get your club right. No watch horse is going to win the hand. So the answer is, you know, to me this was just, hey, this is madness, you know, for me anyway. And then to emphasise the situation, I would have gear for, and some of our Wolseleys and, and cars of the year, I had twin carbs and I had all the balancing gear and all the gear to make sure they were perfect. And the guy, the fellow in charge at the time looked at me and said, well, Bobby, Bobby got, well, well maybe other words, but... What a what a load of rot, you know. And a car would come in for servicing, and I'd be down the back um, repairing the exhaust system. And one of the Gillies bred apprentices would be up the front looking after the engine. Mm. I mean, you know. And I've always said to people, I wasn't there two years. I was there twenty three months. I refused to admit that I was there two years. <laughs> twenty twenty three months. So I decided it was time to leave the motor trade because I was so disillusioned. Uh, leave Omaru if necessary, and I wrote out a job application in Dunedin, and which go home for lunch. Everyone went home for lunch on that era in Omaru. Everyone, um, even if I had a push bike, you went home for lunch. And I went home and I, I picked up the, the letter I, or application I'd written. I sealed it, put the stamp on, ready to take it back to work to post it on the way back. And and about I don't know, twenty to twelve, uh, twenty to one, or time getting ready to think about getting back to town, the phone rang and one of the people that I knew in St John was Robin Mortimer. Robin Mortimer and his brother Stan were in St John and they were both in, and they were in business and and Robin rang me and said that one of their partners was leaving and would I like a job? And if you do, you might like to come in as a partner in our business. Mm. So I said, he said, you better come and have a yarn. So I did. Never posted the letter. It was that close. Yeah. And ultimately I, I, I joined Robin in buying out his family and, and, and then ultimately I bought out Robin and, and spent the rest of that period uh, till the end of my time in motor trade, um, you, know, with, you know, having worked with Robin. Robin and I were great. Yeah. We, we, were, we worked well together. Robin was that amazing seat-of-the-pants, natural mechanic that people had a great respect for and for various reasons I was the the other uh, you know bow I was quilted I had the you know if, if we need to pull this the book to pieces we had to pull out the service manual or do something or go and talk to people yeah uh, and and so yeah so that was great so that's how I came in the mo- so during that time I was a volunteer answering your question now, Gary I was um, I, I carried on as the AMBO volunteer trying to be in business at the same time and I'd be halfway through was we sold a few cars as well as repairing them and I might be halfway through the, the pitch and the phone would ring and the office would call out Terry they want you to go on the ambulance and and I was a very popular target because at that stage the the ambulance during the day Monday Friday was at the hospital yeah and, 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 and they would have either a nurse 
or one of the porters to go with them. So it was a sort of a one and a half crew, if you like, you know. And when the message was car versus train or something like that, they sort of ring and say, I'd rather you came with me. Yeah. And, um, and, and I counted up some years how much I reckoned I lost, um, you know, just walking away from people. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so that carried on until I got to go to the training school, got chosen to go to the training school and, and, and uh, started wearing a white shirt every day and, and uh, got to go back to Auckland to the training school. And, and I had one of my midlife crises uh, I read a book that said you actually have a midlife crisis every 10 years, only you, you know, you, you have a teenage one, yeah. you have one in your 20s, one in your 30s. One, there midlife crises occur every decade, and if you see them go past. So by that maths, you've had nine, Gary, is that yeah, right, yeah. every 10 years? Yeah, yeah your maths yeah. is really yeah, good. really yeah. good there. Really Absolutely. good. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, there you go. So, 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 that was, so essentially I was going to sell the business, sell mm, the garage and, yeah. and walk away. So where, where was the garage based Well, the garage, uh, well, it, the garage was uh, right, where, if you want to find out where it is today, it's the exit to the drive-through to Mega 10 and the building only got demolished to, um, the building only got demolished for the purpose of, um, of a step during the next building. Mm. Um, interesting, because I sold it. I sold the building to, to Gillies. Right. And, and, and there are people that, cynical people would say that would be the only time um, that uh, Gillies in, in their history were, were um, willing buyers. And they needed my building because they were building a beautiful new building to, for what we used to call the heater shop, the heater building. Yeah. And, and they were going to do some of the work that had been previously done at the foundry and do it up there. And the health department or appropriate people came in and said, no, you're not. You're either building an airproof room or you're taking it off-site. So by buying the next-door building, they could run all the services through, three-phase power and air and all that sort of stuff. So it got turned into the, the fettling shop where they ground all the cast iron off. So, so I sold the building to Gillies, walked away. My wonderful lawyer uh, and my wonderful accountant came to me and, and each of them had horrified looks on their faces. What are you going to do, Terry? You know, blah, blah, blah. I had uh, Dave Serrett from, from, from the then Ford dealers come around to me and said, oh, I hear you haven't got a job, Terry. I can give you a job. And I said, no, I don't want a job. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm, I'm having a sabbatical year. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Wanda, my wife, uh, you know, decided we, you know, we, she could keep working and I could genuinely have this year off. We went away to the islands with a church group yep. and, um, and we were – Hello, here's, here's, the, here's this piece in history again. We went to the New Hebrides and we were in the New Hebrides uh, doing church work, doing, uh, she was teaching typing to the girls, I was doing yeah. mechanics to the boys and building garage things and we took lots of stuff with us that we left over there and then they had a revolution and, and, and the New Hebrides, you know, then it became Vanuatu. But they had to bail us out a year, a day or two early because... They didn't know which way the revolution was going to go, and history mm. again, you know. Yeah. Wow, you know. And you dropped back straight into Omaru again. Arrived in yeah. Omaru and did a went away and did uh, the, the, the 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 national rally, the international rally at Nelson, and and, and everything, and everything's bowling along. And someone said, "Oh, you could get a job at the hospital one day if it came up." I said, "No, I don't think I'm cut out to work at the hospital, even for ambulance." And that we got a new general manager or chief executive, and he approached St John, and said, "Would you like to take over the 24-hour service?" And they set a date eight weeks hence. You know, today you'd take five years of negotiation, <laughs> and eight, eight weeks hence, and um, they, they they had to take over one of the team uh, that was still working there. The other one had gone off, so it was a good moment to move. So, so St John ran their service, and the hospital ran a separate service. We, we ran St John. St John ran from the time they got the first Model T. Um, they ran the ambulance service um, all the way through until about 1958. And there's some wonderful stories of uh, Percy Mulligan, who was an auctioneer and a wonderful man, and Percy was trying to run a business um, and got to be the only guy available during the day, during a working day, because we were running at 24-7, mm -hmm. and, and he could be seen on his push bike riding from Weir Street to wherever they were garaging the ambulance. He'd ride the push bike, sometimes past the incident, 
be back later with the vehicle. Yeah. Um, and it became obvious we needed staff. So the hospital decided to employ an officer. Right. And then ultimately two. Um, and then the further on it went, St John was a bit put out because they then ran Monday, Friday, sort of eight till five. Um, and St John picked it up nights and weekends. And the nights and weekends is how I initially joined. Right. And 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 as I and when I went to, I got to be one of the successful people. I was the successful person. And here comes the two year bit again. Um, I decided, well, I'm happy to work for St John, even though I didn't want to do the hospital board. And so I um, and I thought, well, what harm could it do? Here it goes again. Uh, I could go along for two couple of years and wash the ambulances, respond to calls, no responsibility. Piece of cake, easily, and then think about where I wanted to go with my career. Well, of course, long before the two years was up, I was asked to be the station manager mm. and then the senior station manager and then a district manager and then some other title. And the title and responsibilities grew a little. The titles grew tremendously um, and, 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 and it bowled along. And so I was there for... So I did 43 years of ambulance, 17 as a volley, 20, whatever, actually it doesn't add up, so you'll note this, 27 as a, a, you know, as a um, permanent, 43 in total. 43 years, Mm. you deliver babies, you see them grow up, you know, the old generational Mm. thing, Mm. and you go in and, and, um, uh, and the interesting thing about it compared to today is you either could do it or you couldn't. You, 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 your, your personality, your strength within yourself. You had real backup from your, from, you know, we, if we went to a call, r- rubbish call, as I might call it, in the middle of the night, you'd have a cup of tea at the hospital and you wouldn't go home until, even though you need to go home because you're supposed to go to work tomorrow, um, you didn't go home and, until everyone declared that they were okay and you might have a cup of tea and a round wine biscuit at the hospital and, and you'd be, ch- and it might be, Half an hour, 40 minutes later before one of the team would say, actually, I don't feel that good about that. So you didn't go home. You just kept talking mm-hmm. and you talked it through. And um, and I developed a pattern. People said, how do you cope with all the things you've seen? And the answer is, uh, my analogy that I'd say is right now, and I won't, but I could talk about any one of those cases. And, and I have a wall in my mind of shoeboxes. Mm-hmm. And they're all up on the wall. I haven't tried to forget any of it. <clears throat> they're in a shoebox and the lid's on and I can look along the wall and if someone, maybe a member of a family or whoever, somebody appropriate, wants to go back over there, I can pull the shoebox out, take the lid off, chat about it to full length, put the lid on, pop it away again. And that ability to talk it through yeah. um, is really important because there are, you know, there are, well... You can imagine how many cases in 43 years. But some of them were uh, cases that today you would be able to diagnose that there was, in my case, um, self-healing post-traumatic stress. Mm. Um, And and, uh, uh, in the case of one, which both my wife, Wanda and I were at, uh, for for 12 months afterwards, we could both wake up in the middle of the night absolutely in a full sweat, uh, you know, pulse racing and all that sort of stuff. But people come up and, 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 and talk to you about the cases that, and that's where that saying that I have repeated that was in the paper was, um, you know, to actually arrive at, at, a, at a case and there's somebody requiring assistance, there's a member of the family and there's another, and from the back of the room a member of the family says, it's okay, Terry's here, trying to reassure maybe somebody that didn't know me yeah. and say, um, Terry's here. And I used to think, hey, you know, I wasn't born a hero. Mm. You know, I mean, how did I... And the answer, of course, was good training mm. with good um, good training, good experience, and then surprisingly cut out for it. Yeah, I think um, you're developing those management Yes. Tools is just yeah. so important in those jobs. And, yeah. you know, I'm lucky enough to go to a lot of celebrations of, um, of, course. of you know, fire brigade awards nights and things. Yes. Recognition of that and, you know, yeah. and, and behind all of that is 
all these people that turn up at accidents and turn up to all sorts of things and Absolutely. some of the most terrible times in people's lives and they go there and deal with it. Mm. Well, I think Gary, one of the things that people sometimes say to me or have said, what happened if it was a member of your own family? Mm. What happens mm. if it was someone quite close to you? And surprisingly, well, surprisingly for them, my answer is no problem. Mm. I don't have any issue with that whatsoever because confidence from having done it properly, I, I felt often that I was the right person. Mm. And and maybe one little tiny story was that, uh, of course, I spent most of my life away from my family, visiting them back in Auckland and so forth. Only member of my family that I, w- I was aware of that didn't live in the greater Auckland. I didn't have any relatives, cousins, nobody down the country, no one to stay with, whatever. Um, and I went home to have a, to go to a, a ambulance conference uh, and I was staying with my parents at my auntie's place and my father died during the evening and he died as close to far from me as you guys are right now mm. in the same room. I heard my father die. Mm. I did the CPR. I, I made an announcement. Somebody called. It turned out that the ambulance was 45 minutes away where we were at a holiday venue. Mm. Ambulance was 45 minutes away. Doctor was 35 minutes away. And there were some local ladies in St John that had an oxygen in the back of the car and they came and, and you know, this is the strangeness of it. As they arrived at the door, I apologised for them being called out, explained who I was, announced that I'd made the decision that there was no further resuscitation required and invited them in to have a cup of tea mm. to settle them down. Um and, you know, I mean, that was yeah, dad. Um, just your professional training kicked in. And and, and I yeah, guess that's they, the thing. You, you you will have been in many situations where you know that you can help someone and you can get on yeah. and help them and yeah. then times where you've tried to help and you know that actually they're a- beyond help. A- and, absolutely. Yeah. The, the uh, we don't, uh, naturally we don't talk about cases that we've attended, but I wasn't on duty, but... Both we were there for the Tyrell t- tragedy, mm. which longer, long, long, you know, lo- lo- residents that have been around a few years will remember that uh, Dr. Colin Tyrell and his wife fell, lost their three boys in, in a home incident. Um, and I was, um, uh, I, I, not to be dramatic about it, but I was um, uh, called, we, we, the boys were lost, but. In fact, they were found mm-hmm. at home, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, and I was. If I was trying to write a movie, they'd say that no, it's a bit of an unbelievable story. But I was trying to do CPR on one of the boys, and I was holding Mum's hand with the other hand, so I'm doing it one-handed because I'm reassuring Mum. And the father, Doctor Colin Terrell, walks into the garage where we were, and looks at me. And the reversal of the, you know, how the hero of the film walks in and the doctor says, I'm sorry, you know, and mm-hmm. explains that, it's, that they're gone, they're yeah. gone. And and for me to be saying to the doctor, um, you know, and, and I, 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 people sometimes say, oh, but this wouldn't happen in Omaru, that wouldn't happen in Omaru. And the answer is, I'm sorry, guys. One of anything you can think of, mm. um, you yeah. know. No, in, I mean, in that, my that, career alone, let alone everyone else's, mm. it does happen, mm. and um, uh, and so that's why it's important to have people doing it, uh, doing that sort of work. Mm. No, thank you for yeah, everything anyway, you have done over that. the years, and yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm just pleased that you're able to cope with it the way you yes. you are, um, yes. you know. But also know you you know you are a very caring person, so you know <laughs> yeah, sort of. it's is not. You, you don't park that side, you know, which yeah. is important too. Yeah. Uh, it's good. And I understand that of of um, having those boxes and putting things away. I, yeah. I understand what you're saying there. But that's a strength. That's a gift to be able to yes. do that because you realise that not everyone can do it. And you must have a lot of people come, young Ambos yeah. that come through, and you probably learn pretty quickly, I don't think this is the job for you because well, it's going to, yeah. The, the probably the best the best story to have a little bit of a smile to follow that yeah. more serious moment. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the the most uh, was a person who was a professional in town that saw the work we were doing and said, "I'd like to come on ambulance." Or and, and we said, "Well, it's quite simple. You you know, you go out. We we put you on duty. 
um, and you go along with another. You just you ride as a third person, mm. and you, you get a feeling for it, you know. And so the day came, and and the evening came, and and I, they were out with somebody else, and that's fine. And and the, you stay at home, get the message, and out to go. The next day, I got a phone call from the person, and they said, "Well, Terry, it's clearly not for me." And I said, "Oh goodness, what what sort of a call did you go to?" And they said, "We didn't get a call." I haven't slept a wink. I have stayed awake, awake and worried all night. Uh, we didn't get a call, but I know it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, thanks for the honesty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the uh, other uh, other side. Maybe could have but, tried one more night, but no. yeah. Mm. <laughs> cool. So there's a few other things I know yeah. in town you're very interested in. So I'm yeah. just going to touch on a, a few things, and then we're just going to pick a few things apart. So sure. you're into musical theatre. Yes. Civil Defence. Yes. 45 South. That's true. Um, Bathurst. Oh, Bathurst is and, where we didn't, not in Omaru, yeah, but, but yes. But that's a passion. That, and um, you've also had a Citizen Award. Which one out of those things excites you the most? Which one should we talk about at the moment? Well, how, how can you give me a list with Bathurst on it okay. and say... Um, <laughs> Which um, one excites you the most? And, 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 you know, they're all worthy things. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay, the, I'll take Bathurst Okay, off, go to... Well, if, if you talk about Bathurst, um, yes. you, I think you were involved in some of the, the racing and so on that happened well, around the, well, the, the area as well. Okay. The, 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 yes, I guess I guess that's true. And, and the first thing to know is that um, uh, going back to when Omaru had a stock car track, uh, uh, somebody that I knew quite well and, and others um, will remember the name too, Mike Burns and his brother Ray Burns, they were yeah. all the Burns family and many yeah. other wonderful families. Um, but uh, we got an opportunity to build a race car um, for and with... Um, uh, the Burns team and 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 uh, um, Mike in particular had been racing a big Ford, but he had this idea to have a little Volkswagen because we were the VW agent, yeah. and so we built up a race car uh, as for him, and then turned up out there uh, a little bit of a fish out of water because a lot of the people that were into stock cars, uh, you know, had a different life story, and, and but they treat. Again, we were treated so well, made welcome and so forth. Uh, and Mike did very well with that car. Uh, and and our, our best day for uh, psyching other people out, I think we were going to Tamuka, mm-hmm. the, Tamuka. At the time, I'd traded in a white chrome wire wheeled S-type Jag. It was just traded it in. So we thought, here's a good deal. So we had a tow bar. So we put the V-dub on the trailer on the back of that and and arrived at the Tamuka and this whisper quiet, immaculate, white, wire-wheeled. And, of course, um, you know, all the stories spread around about what would go with this and so forth. So that was wonderful. Um, down the other end of the track was that at the same time um, I'd, by then contrived to have a Trekker as a shop truck. And Trekker, like Skoda, like Lada, um, have all been rubbished over the years by a lot of um, misinformed people. And 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 so I sponsored, I think it was the 1974-75 South Island Championships, and I sponsored it for the main race. So I put the Trekker in, all signed, written up with Terry Kent Motors on it. I put it in as the pace car. And we did that as the pace car around because I thought, well, that'll stick it to a few people. And so, um, and and the only time, the only time that um, that I recall that that Mike entrusted me to go and have a drive of this thing, I'm I'm racing around and I think I'm doing all right. Um, and there was a Ford Custom line sort of on the inside, and I'm trying to get around this because we could, we had the power to do so. And all of a sudden, everything went black. And what had happened was that the, the, the big Ford V8 had dropped its um, prop shaft out at the front. I think the, if the springs come off the back, eventually it'll pull it out of the gearbox. And it was like a pole vault. And so what it did was it pole vaulted itself into the air and dropped on top of me. <laughs> After which, 
after which I had no steering and I'm heading to the crowd, yeah. you know, so I don't think I ever drove it again. <laughs> Clearly not my fault, um, but I never did it again. So that was a great era with, with, with the stock cars yeah. associated with the garage. But it happened again because a few years later there was a, a national rally coming through Omaru and the headquarters of Skoda, which I was the dealer for, said there's a, couple of, well, there's a guy with a Skoda and it was a doctor from the – GP again from the West Coast and that doctor um, you know you might be able to offer him some support somehow you know while he's there maybe let him he wants to service in your garage or do something so yeah we let him know well he was known as the mad doctor Norm Hartwell was just an amazing chap with his wife as the co-driver um, and he was came uh, was it Brunner no it wasn't Brunner uh, one of the little towns in the coast anyway he was um, so he was going through the Herbert Forest and it, and it started to play up. And um, so he had no idea what it was. My idea of what the problem was as a mechanic was somewhat different. Um, so I reckoned it needed a new fuel pump. Well, where are you going to get a fuel So don't tell anybody about this. But I dived into town and I took a brand new fuel pump off a brand new Skoda that I had on stock and I raced back down and he finished the rally and he was utterly impressed. Now, the new Skoda didn't have a problem. I only had to order a new pump, put it back on, and still a new car. But the impression that I made on this chappy was such that he said to me, "Any, if I any chance, if I'm, I'm going to go and do the 1974 Heatway Rally from Auckland to Wellington, Terry, is there any chance of you coming and being my crew chief for the mm-hmm. service crew?" And he said, and I wanted could come, and and she could be the cook, and I'll leave a car. I'll send you all the air tickets. I'll leave a car at Wellington Airport for you. You can drive up. I'll organise another car. I'll organise another mechanic, and off we went and stayed in a hotel in Epsom. So you didn't take too long to think about that one. No, didn't. <laughs> but it's in midwinter, you see. So we've got photos of us driving up through, you know, in the middle of the de- desert road and National Park and the snow and the ice and the whatever. They ran it at a crazy time of the year. But <clears throat> that was every night, that particular rally, a famous rally. Um, was, and so no intercom radios. No, no, no. So all you had was a signboard and you put a signboard out, and when the car came along for servicing as it's doing the road section, it would find the board and 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 you would have a rest area. You would pick a random place. There was no predetermined place to service. You had to find one. So I navigated us. I didn't drive, but I navigated us right across the middle of North Island from Auckland to Wellington over four nights and five days or the, or whatever it was, um, but mostly travelling at night. And um, you had to navigate and you had to find the end of the stage and then find a place that's good. And, I, and, and I'd learnt a lot about um, dealing with my voluntary ambulance work and my army work. I'd learnt a lot about fatigue management and, it, and, and I would be sorting out where we were going and this chap that was, they'd found to go with the service car, to be with me, mechanic. And I'd say to him, there's a there's a rest area coming up, two in the morning, three in the morning. There's a rest area carrying up. We're going to pull in there. And I look at him, and we went past that one. We go straight past that, that area. And he was absolutely not with me. Like, we we go past, I'd choose about three different places. He'd just drove on past. He just wasn't hearing me. So some people can cope with fatigue and some can't. <laughs> A little bit later on, we were approached by a chap from Australia and he had one of the more leading cars. Our car was not, you know, it might have been number 73 or number 83. It wasn't number three. But this chap from Australia came over and said, I wish I had you guys as a service. He said, every time I come out of a stage, I can see your sign, but I never see the sign of our guys. (laughs) And, uh, but, you know, we sat in a diner in, 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 in Waiuru because we'd serviced at the tank repair yep. place in the middle of Waiuru Army Camp. The world champion is just sitting having his hamburger in the next cubicle of the diner. People say, well, why would you go in a, why would you go to the, why would you go in a rally where you've got no chance of winning? And the answer is, really? 
uh, like when I lined up to hand my international license, uh, you know, in, in some of the rallies that I've been in, mm. the world champion was handing his in yeah. just before, just behind me. And, you know, to go to the Olympics, I'm sure, and not come home with a gold medal, but be in the same heat as yeah. the world record holder. Um, you know, I think some people don't get it that you can actually be one of the also rands, but it's an amazing hmm. thing, you know, amazing. So, so that was that. This, these coincidences happened again, and and Gary um, will 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 know this that we had in Omaru, uh, or you both will might remember that that we had the uh, Asia Pacific Scout Jamboree in um, out of the racecourse in Omaru. This is late seventies, admittedly, um, but they had a they had, they gathered together all the people that might be associated with the medical centre because there were, it was going to be another seven seven thousand people, so that rather made Omru somewhat bigger, and uh, so they we had to have a little hospital, mini hospital, and a first aid unit. So uh, in there I go, and they held it at De Geest's in their big social room. And, as, and there was a doctor there, and they said, oh, he's going to be in charge of the medical bit, and, and so on, so on, so on. So as we walked outside, sitting outside, I had a demonstrator car from the garage with sign writing all down the side of it, and sitting just a few parks over was a, a rally car with sign writing all down the side of it. And the doctor stood by the and he looked at me and he said, is that you? And I said, is that you? <laughs> and, yeah, well, of course, I'm garage people are always very popular with people like that. So I spent a number of seasons initially helping with the, starting off the service, but almost immediately going into the co-driving role. So co-drove um, with with um, uh, with Jim, Jim Vores, who was also at one stage um, one of the house surgeons here at Omaru, Omaru Hospital. Wow. And so, so there's that crazy connection thing again mm. that led me down that path. And um, the interesting thing about, because we all have our personalities and our appearances, and we would go to rallies. I remember one down at Otautau or somewhere in the south. And Jim's fairly short of stature, you know. Think Doogie Howser, um, or those different um, shows. So he's sort of a shortish chap, and and I'm somewhat taller than him. And people would say um, they needed some medical assistance in the middle of the, you know, unwell, whatever. And some would say, oh, go back to car such and such. There's a doctor and a paramedic on that. That's so that'll help you. So people would always walk up and they'd come straight up to me and start talking doctor straight away. And then they would and I would listen to what they're saying and I'm saying that's fine, but this follows the doctor. So, so um, yeah. So uh, as you say, yeah, that was the race, so-called race stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, you know one, one of the other things that you're associated with, of course, is Omri memories and seeing some of the yes, you're right. Yeah, the um, the aspects of that is yeah that that's you know you see some of the racing photos and things come mm. up and you make a number of contributions. Yes, of photos, so. I try to help. Yeah. Yes, so yes, that's really good. Yeah, behind the scenes, and and I know we're not going to have time to go and talk about Bathurst, but Bathurst was um, with my son. I got there three times, and the big thing about it was to learn the difference between the, and you mentioned Australian earlier, um, the, we were with a, a wonderful group of Australians with just a few of us Kiwis. So if they all liked Holden, we automatically went forward just to be anti. Yeah. And, and, and and I learned an awful lot about the differences um, because at Bathurst, we, you know, seriously, um, we, we didn't go down, I didn't go to any Ponzi hotel or flashed grandstand. We went up on the hill. We're up at McPhillamy and, and that's where... Um, you know, and we went the week before, so we went on the Saturday camping, and you camped all week. And and I and I did some of my terrible things, like like I have walked the track five times, three di- three in one direction and twice in the other. So I really know that track. And then they built some new pits, and 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 we were there during the week, and it was getting set up to open the new hospitality suites and all the pits and all the bits and pieces, and they had security guards. Well, I took my son and and, and the young fellow, the young child that was with us, you know, and we just, I just walked past the security guard, gave him a nod, explained that I was, you know, didn't tell him a long story, just walked on. And then we went up to the, the suites upstairs and they were installing things like the Coke and the drink thing. And I, um, uh, and I, I walked through like I was some sort of company rep and just 
on, on we went. You know, Bathurst is wonderful for its racing, but it's amazing for its immersion in in the culture of different different people. Yeah, Terry. Yeah, really enjoyed. But yeah. this is my issue, Terry. I know. We've just come is. up to an hour mark. Yep. And we haven't even touched on half the things you've done in town. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause this episode here, and then we're going to do a part two. How would that sound? I'm available. Are you available? And if Gary's available, we're going to pause it here and then we're going to go into part two. And um, yeah, we'll just go there. So thanks for coming in. And we're going to find out in part two about musical theatre Omaru. We're going to find out about civil defence, another passion, 45 South, and we'll also touch on the Citizens Award. What do you think, Gary? Oh, and there's, we could probably talk about the Opera House and uh, a few other things as well. I so, didn't know this yeah. man was such a wealth of knowledge. Well, he's been around a long time. Wow, well, yeah. You know, we've done the maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week, podcast listeners, where we have part two with Terry King. <laughs>